0: Yo, today's QOD is close the laptop and go home. Here we go. back to the Quote of the Day show. I'm your host, Sean Croxton of SeanCroxton.com. We got a brand new speaker on the show today. His name is Cameron Harold. In this episode, it's going to be a little bit longer than normal and for very good reason because you're going to learn some great stuff here. Uh, Cameron's going to share some fantastic strategies for setting boundaries, for getting more stuff done, but most importantly, having more balance in your life. I think you're really gonna love this. I hope you use these strategies. Uh, we're gonna keep the f bombs in there, so you know if you do have kids in the car, don't want them to hear bad language, uh, definitely skip this one and come back to it later. And uh, enjoy, my friend. Cameron Harold is coming up.
1: I learned that balance is key, but there's no way to be balanced. You can't keep your friends and your family and your faith and your fitness and your spirituality and everything perfectly in balance all the time. It's impossible. Especially if you're a woman who's trying to like be a spouse and a lover and a best friend and a mom, like are you fucking and run a company? Are you kidding? Of course you're not going to get that shit perfect every single day. So what I think balance is is a bunch of this. So, what I try to do is find the eight areas of my life that I'm working on, and I pick two areas, and I go really, really deep in those two areas for about a month or so. And then for the next month, I pick two other areas, and I go really deep on those. So, last week when I was at Mind Valley, I only came to two sessions because I was really, really focused on two things my business and my wife. And this week, I've been spending more time at Mind Valley coming here, working here, networking here, going for lunches with people, going for coffee, showing up first thing in the morning, going to the parties at night, and kind of ignoring my wife a little bit. But this is like Mind Valley week for me. And then next week when we go to Sweden, I'll recalibrate a little bit. But because there's no way for, like I would feel too stressed out trying to be everything to everybody all of the time. So I give myself a little bit of a break when I'm not quite in balance, because I realize the balance is more of a, a teeter-totter or a balance board. That's what balance is for me. I also learned that when I show up at the end of the day, my ex-wife used to say that she was getting leftovers. Not for dinner, I was leftovers. I was coming back with no energy because I'd given everything at the office and then I showed up back at the home and I didn't have any good energy to bring into the relationships with my kids and my spouse. So I had to learn some kind of a way to to keep my business in a box and, and close it. So when I used to work at a physical office, I would shut my laptop and I would leave. And I realized when I was doing that, that I couldn't take my laptop home with me at night because I wasn't going to catch up anyway. You're not going to get your list done, right? Anybody here, who here works at nights to catch up? Have you ever caught up? No. So stop fucking doing it because all you're doing is lying to yourself, I'm gonna catch up, so I'll work this weekend. No, you're just working this weekend and you're avoiding the pain or relationships or something else that isn't going well in your life. You're using work as the dopamine rush to fill the voids of everything else. So what I learned is close the laptop and go home. I've worked from home for the last 15 and a half years. So now what I do is I never work nights. I will allow myself to work one night per month maximum, but every other day of the week I'm done at 5.30. And I haven't worked a Saturday or Sunday in probably a decade. I've said no to speaking events that want me to travel now because I just don't want to. So I'll turn down, I get paid $40,000 for a keynote plus business class travel. I say no to that all the time because I'd rather do it over Zoom so I have no commute. You can't get me to do the wrong things anymore because it allows me to keep my problems at work. I also had something happen back in, um, this was October of 2000. We were running a big internet company. And um, if everyone remembers March of 2000, we just sold our company for 64 million. So March of 2000, that was a lot of money to sell for. And it was March 15th, we were public. The company that was acquiring us was public. And uh, I think we, we sold like March 10th. And March 15th, Steve Ballmer stood up from Microsoft and said there was an internet bubble. And we're like, no, don't, don't, don't tell people and then the stock market started to crash and our stock it needed 3 months for the transaction to close by the time it closed our 64 million dollar valuation was worth 3.8 our stock went from $24.65 it was called network commerce we went from 2465 down to about $3 and i'd gotten married and i realized on the wedding day i wasn't in love And a month after the wedding, my wife conceived. I was stressed. So a friend of mine tapped me on the shoulder in the elevator one day and he said, are you okay? And I collapsed on the floor of the elevator, sobbing and shaking, and I was having a nervous breakdown. Three weeks later, I went to the doctor to get a routine medical for a physical that I needed to get insurance for a house that we were buying. And the doctor said, how are you feeling? I'm like, pretty good. I've got this kind of a weird metallic taste at the back of my neck. Has anybody ever had that, like it's this weird, I call it a taste, but it's not so much a taste as like a feeling. It's like your neck is kind of tight at the back and right, who's had that feeling or put your hand up, I'll bunch you. So I'm kind of describing what this feels like, right? Like this weird thing, taste, something. And he goes, Well, what's going on in your life? I said, Well, my my wife is pregnant and I just quit my job and we lost sixty-four million, so you know, my three million is worth about hundred and forty, and I'm moving from Seattle back to Canada. My mom is terminal with stage three B uh, colon cancer. Um My wife's quitting her job, but we just bought a house, so that's kind of cool, I'm getting my first mortgage. And the doctor's looking at me, and he goes, that medical, or that taste at the back of your neck is actually a chemical secretion being caused by stress. So we did this test that they give you, and you have to fill out all these questions, and they give you points, and if you get like 150 points, you have a 50% chance of a heart attack. If you get like 250 points, you have a 90% chance of a heart attack. I had 435 points. It's the only test I've ever scored really high in. (laughs) I was clinically redlining. I was clinically redlining. Um, I can show you a photo. I should actually put this photo into my slides. This morning when I weighed, I I carry a scale in my backpack. So we've sold everything and we literally travel with a backpack. In my backpack, I travel with this little flat scale because I weigh myself every morning. When I woke up that morning back in October 2000, I weighed 222 pounds. This morning I weighed 180.0. Some of that's because you didn't serve me food last night. But, right? <laughs> no, but like, but you don't lose 42 pounds because of dinner. You, you lose 42 pounds because life all of a sudden gets better, and you learn how to reduce stress. So I started running. I started doing yoga. I started doing some meditation. I started talking to people honestly. Like when somebody said, how are you? I didn't say I'm good. Like I don't actually say I'm good unless I'm good. Sometimes I'm like, actually, I'm having a shitty day, and you'll probably not want to hear about it, but you fucking asked, so I'm going to tell you. (laughs) Because I like getting the stress out of my body that way, right? So I had to learn to reduce stress in really healthy ways. I learned that having a drink is okay, but starting every meal, because this was at the height of the internet, and we were really successful, and we were all really stressed. I lived across the street from the office. We would get to the office at 7. I'd work till 7 p.m. growing. We had 900 employees at the time. The CEO and I would go for dinner, and I would start my dinner with two Manhattans. He would start his with two dirty martinis, and then we would have a bottle of wine, maybe two bottles of wine, because we could each put down a bottle no problem, and then we'd finish our dinner with Grand Marnier. That was five days a week. And then I would drive home to Vancouver on the weekend. I was living two and a half hours away, and I'd spend two two days with my wife, and I'd wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning on Monday and drive back to Seattle and do it again, and I thought I was managing stress perfectly. So I realized that having one drink is okay, but having dinners like that, it ain't okay, right? Smoking a joint is okay, especially now, especially if you're in Vancouver. Smoking seven of them a day, probably not a good idea. Doing yoga once in a while is good. Doing yoga seven days a week for two hours and avoiding your friends and family, probably not so good, right? So it's it's kind of that all things in moderation except McDonald's. (laughs) (laughs) I... (laughs) I learned, I had to speak to 400 female franchisees from McDonald's and pretend that I liked their food. I just kept saying, your fries are amazing. They are, I don't eat them, but they're amazing. Because um, they're not, running what they're made of, they're, it's amazing, but they look like fries. We never feel guilty about plugging in our Tesla at night. We never feel guilty about plugging in our phone at night. Why do we feel guilty about recharging ourselves at night? There's not a single athlete on the planet that performs their event 60 hours a week. They might practice, they might cross train, but they might perform four hours a week, six hours a week, one hour a week. Their game on is in short bursts. We as entrepreneurs and we as leaders need to really remember to recharge. You're never gonna get caught up. That big long to-do list that you've got, delegate and somebody asked me a question later about to-do lists and I'll give you some ways on on getting through those I had to learn how to set boundaries I was so wanting to help everyone else I was so willing to help everyone else just like when I walk around here I always like yes I can help you yes I can help you can I ask if you of course I can at some time like no like I can't or you got to send me an email or I'm sorry your business is too small like I can't be there for everybody because then I I lose track of myself my clients used to call me a lot and say, can we just do a call on the weekend? No. And then I'd explain it, and I'd also tell them that they needed to take some weekends off. And they're like, oh, shit, you're right. So by, the more that I set boundaries, the more that I said no, the more that my clients and my people that I worked with started to really grow from that as well. I learned about something called the top five. So this is something I learned from the book Napoleon Hill's It was Think and Grow Rich. And it's the story about charles schwab and ivy lee i think it was originally like six a half dozen right the basic story goes like this um there was this management consultant ivy lee or sorry charles schwab and he went and cold called the ceo of this steel company and he said you know with my systems you'll know how to manage better and lee said i don't need to know how to manage better i need to do the stuff i already need to know to do like i need to get more done of what i should be doing and he said okay i'll give you a system And if you try this system for six weeks after you do it for six weeks, send me a check for what you think it was worth. So the system was this at the end of every day, make a list of the top five things you have to do tomorrow. Just sit down and spend time and limit not 12, not 64, not three. What are the top five things you have to do tomorrow? Then put them in order of impact from the highest impact to lowest impact. So now you've got your top five. And when you wake up in the morning, go about your normal routine. And then when you start working, don't check email, don't start working on random projects, don't do any calls, start working on project one. When you finish item one, start working on item two. And don't work on the rest of your business until you get through your must-do list. So Charles Schwab told Ivy Lee this. Sorry, Ivy told Charles. Charles Schwab had all of his employees do it. They did it for six weeks. He then sent Ivy Lee a check for $25,000. That was 100 years ago. $25,000 for that system 100 years ago was worth millions today. At the time, it turned Charles Schwab into a name that we all know. It also turned him into the wealthiest steel producer in the world. And it was that simple top five list. We rolled that out at 1-800-GOT-JUNK and had all of our employees doing it. It was massive, and I still use that today. In uh, Good to Great, Jim Collins talks about his stop doing list. I call it my fuck it list because I have my bucket list and I have my fuck it list. So the bucket list is all the stuff I want to do before I die. And the fuck it list is all the stuff that life's too short. Fuck it, I'm not doing it anymore. Like, do you know what's on my fuck it list? Drinking wine on planes. I only fly first class, but they serve shitty wine on planes. Like, I would never buy that wine at home. Why would I ever drink it on a plane? Like, great, give me a glass of a $4 bottle of red, but I only buy $100 bottles at home. It doesn't make any sense. Fuck it, I'm not doing it. Or fuck it, I'm not checking my own email. Or fuck it, I'm not um, replying to my own DMs in social media, except on Instagram, because I like Instagram. So I've got, like, you start looking at the stuff that isn't worth your time doing or drains you of energy. So I'll give you a really good system to help you with this. Pretend that someone follows you around with a video camera for a month. And then you get to watch the video and you watch everything that you do at work. Open emails, reply to emails, book flights, meet with teams, coach people, talk to clients, prep for events, prep for speaking events, look at your slides, whatever. You might have 80 things on your list of things that you do every month. So what I do is I open a spreadsheet and I write down every single task in column A, I might have 80 rows of all the things that I do. In column B, I categorize them all in one of four ways. Either I for incompetent, and by the way, apologies to the kids here that are hearing me swear. As Vishen said yesterday, for Christ's sakes, it's 2022, but I also do apologize because maybe you don't need to hear me swearing, but you'll get over it. Um, so categorize all the tasks in one of four ways. I for incompetent, C for competent, E for excellent, and U for unique ability. This is a system that Dan Sullivan teaches at Strategic Coach. The incompetent means you suck at it. The competent means you're okay at it. The excellent means you're really, really good at it, but you don't love doing it. The unique ability is the stuff that you love doing, you're really good at, you get energized while you're doing it. You would do it for free, except your kids have to eat. And then in column C, For each task, you write down a dollar value. If you were paying someone just to do that task every day, all day, right? Let's say the task was clean toilets. What would the hourly rate be? Or what would the hourly rate be for booking hotel rooms? Or what would the hourly rate be for doing slides? Or what would the hourly rate be for coaching someone? Put an hourly rate down for all those things. Then what you want to start doing is getting stuff off your list or putting it onto your stop-doing list, anything that's below your hourly rate. So I get paid $4,600 an hour to coach CEOs. That's why I say I coach real companies. So $4,600 an hour is my effective hourly rate. I get paid $10,000 for a one hour Zoom, or $15,000 for a one hour Zoom, or $40,000 for an in-person speaking. So I know my value is somewhere between $4,000 an hour, and, and I can't even say $40, because then you have to travel for that, but somewhere between four dollars and $15,000 an hour is my hourly rate. So my, my hourly rate, why am I doing jobs that are $20 or $50, or 100 hour jobs? Right? If I could get paid $4,000 to coach someone, I should delegate everything except, except genius and just spend a couple hours cold calling to land a couple more coaching clients right? or finding somebody who can go cold call to coach. Right? The more you can get off your list so that all you do is work in your, Z, your zone of genius, your unique ability, then you win. That was Cameron Harold. His website is CameronHerold.com.
0: You can watch today's entire talk on YouTube. It is called Letters to My Younger Self, the biggest lesson every entrepreneur needs to learn. Cameron Harold. All right, hope you enjoyed today's talk. I'm going to see you tomorrow. We got Marissa Pierre on the show. I will see you then. I am out. Peace. <laughs>